Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. There has been a countdown clock on CNN, perhaps on other networks, but I saw the one on CNN yeah. for days. What did this you think? was supposed to Were be the most exciting thing since, like, Frasier Ali. And instead, <laughs> he, fucking Mayweather like reaching Pacquiao. back to something he had no idea. Yeah. Are no you kidding idea. me? Frazier Ali, this is, you this were is minus the, seven years this old. This is the most important my, fight in history. Yeah, Are you kidding? I met Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier signed a boxing glove for me. Punching the face. It, 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 <laughs> I still have that boxing glove. Does under glass. Fraser, does he as long as he didn't sing the national anthem, he doesn't listen. It, well, Joe Frazier has passed away. I know he's. I know he's. Uh, so he can't away. listen to the. But, fifth but does uh, no. Joe Frazier Jr. listen to the fifth column? I I don't know him personally. I'm How about all of the George Foremans? It's, it's yeah, racist to presume that I know him. But at any rate, Camille, <laughs> Camille, Camille. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I want to defend uh, myself here. The only reason I thought you knew him is because you're both black. I just want to defend myself. Very, you know. No, you're right. That's a fair, that's yeah. an honest mistake. It's logical. No problem, my yeah. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse, the fifth column. Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the fifth column podcast. This is, uh, I guess this is episode 60, although we're doing some weird thing with the counting. We're recording this on Friday. Which is like the day after we recorded something else. Yeah. I think it's the 9th. It is the 9th of June. Uh, I'm Camille Foster of Freethink Media. <laughs> he's flying on drugs. This yeah, I think is he's on drugs. your weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle, the people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. This is full contact public policy analysis, media criticism, and expertise on display for your listening pleasure. And it's not really about me. It's mostly yeah. about it's mostly about Matt Welch. Editor at Large of Reason Magazine, and one Michael Moynihan, the uh, voice of God, various other things, yeah. maker of stuff at HBO's Vice News tonight, but not tonight. That's right. Right now, he's, uh, he's here with me. We don't have a show room. on, uh, on uh, Friday. So How are you fun. guys doing? I'm doing great, Camille. Um, Just saw you yesterday. I, we saw, because we recorded something yesterday. It's a special, if you're, depends on what platform you're listening to this on. If you can go back into that iTunes, we did something with Professor Timothy Snyder. Uh, from Yale University, who uh, thinks uh, fascism is coming. And uh, we did a nice interview with him, and then Camille and I batted the ball around a little bit after he had left to talk about him when he left the room. Um, we badmouthed him behind we bad mouth him. I mean, but, but we don't, we, we don't have no. to unpack that again. No, we don't. I'm just saying. They can go listen to that. Yeah, but I'm, i, I got to give them some, i got to tell them true. why it's good. That's fine. That's fine. Otherwise, they're like, I'm not going to go listen to that. Otherwise... <laughs> but re- re- we have a lot of repeat customers. They've we got a repeat customer. Yeah, so and by the way, just want to say... Yeah. Um, it was a really nice day here in New York City, so I, I left work a little early and started drinking. Yeah, um, it's five o'clock now. I'm recording this. I had a, got a couple in me. It's pretty fun. And then I came, and I you guys didn't disappoint me because you know I'm always late. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm oh, really? Late. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one, one, uh, I was on the one train. It was a bit bit hectic, a local yeah. train. So I come up here, and uh, Matt's already hammering some Modellos, and you got a bottle of State of Jefferson rum. Uh, distilled from cane sugar. Where does this come to? This well, is, uh, presumably comes from the state of Jefferson, California, of, right? Well, it's a it's a combination of uh, California and Oregon, depending on where exactly you draw. Oh it. yeah, yeah. Oh, I see what it's referencing. Yeah, it's yeah. Medford, Medford, Oregon. Well, but it, this was sent to us by somebody. This right? was well, the, sent the to us by a little... Dan Spragans. Could be Spragans. Spell it. 
S-P-R-A-G-E-N-S. I mean, if you're in America, you're Spragans. I'm sorry. I mean, Spragans. I mean, he's like a <laughs> member of the Wehrmacht or something. In fairness, Hello, Don Spragans. How are you, my friend? He's got a Don Spragans kind of, well, uh, slash state of Jefferson facial hair situation. Oh, do you know him? Hey, he's a reason guy. He was, uh, oh. he was, he was, he was working So we on. have reason, reason guys sending us uh, alcohol? Big fan of the fifth column. Uh, I mean, Good. this this is this is sent with love and Sprung? care. It's the state of Jefferson. It's a breakaway republic yeah. of moonshining pot, like creating meth heads in. Uh, you upper know, Cali- that's an insult. What the, you just it called is. him a meth head, does, or uh, the people of his his uh, breakaway I'm, state? I'm my family is from California and Oregon. <laughs> I know from the state of Jefferson yeah. there is meth. It's mostly the, pot, to be honest with you. But there's some there's some. Well, my family is from the Caribbean, and I know a little something about rum. Yeah, but well, you know nothing about Eddie Grant, as we found out just before. It's like, that's, that's who's true. this? I just who's Eddie uh, Grant? Well, uh, Eddie two, Grant two things. Some song about Electric Avenue. First of all, do not say bad things about uh, but Dan and his uh, friends just because your family is full of pieces of shit. <laughs> that's the first mom, thing. Mom, Michael, sorry. Oh, by the way, I met your mother. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah. The, the rest of them, little question. He says that about everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely everyone. She's great. Uh-huh. I, no, I will say that there are other people in his family that are just real, real disasters. Um, <laughs> uh, the second thing, Camille. I uh, didn't know Eddie Grant's electric. I played it. And then I know the knew. song. I I didn't know the other thing you were playing, the Muzak that you were playing. It, it, before. To, to, there's some people who actually enjoy this on the show, so I'm going to do this for them. There, I was playing something um, which is called Time Warp, which is like a house club classic, which is the B-side of Electric Avenue, which hmm. is really good because uh, uh, we were talking uh, before we came in about Eddie, Eddie Grant's other band. That's how we nerd out. You think that we talk about politics all the time. We come together, we talk about politics. We basically talk about weird music. About Rick Springfield's heavy metal band from 1970 called yeah. Zoot. Yeah, you like that. OMG. Uh, yeah, was, you guys was, talk about weird music. I talk about culturally relevant things oh um, because I'm a, I'm a man of the world, a man of the people. And, so uh, like Dave Matthews, and I'm hip. Fish. This is also true. I mean, I don't know anything about fish. My my very good friend Dan Hayes is a fan of fish. So you so got the fish tank by him. extension, yeah. perhaps. But okay. I do still like Dave Matthews. I think oh, Crash Into my Me is God. a beautiful song. Um, you I are a basic bitch. His version of All Along the Watchtower. <laughs> He's wearing you know what? We're boots. allowed. We're allowed to like. <laughs> we're allowed to like and even love the things that we love. The fact that I have a passion for Phantom of the Opera. Is, oh my God! Is okay. He's gonna. Start, this is what that happens when he takes fine. all the Adderall before the show. Is I, that like well, he's gonna start singing? It's the sleep deprivation as well. We but don't the, know where this will end. Um, we, we, but we before know that we're we, I just want to say that before we get into the actual substance of this of this thing, and, and there is much substance. There I mean, is much the, substance. The UK, a lot of substance. Is the UK, UK is on fire. Is on James fire. Comey is testified. James Comey is on fire. Was quiet. He's broken. The president's he's on fire. We have to talk about that. And people are saying nigger on television, and we haven't gotten into that. It's true. We haven't. And I need to. I need to explain this. If you're listening. If you're listening on Serious, um, our Michael disclaimer, black. Uh, Camille's black. He you doesn't think that. he is. You can't prove that. They can Google it in the car. Yeah, you can don't Google, Google it. in the car. You're going to drive into a they gully. They can Google it. They don't know that that's the real me. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I was going to say something amazing, and then it's probably about how Matt's uh, comes from a long line of garbage people. <laughs> <laughs> Mom. Mom, he's sorry. 
Oh, Your mom wrote God. a book. She's lovely. She's oh, lovely. Oh, my God. Again, other people, less lovely. Um, <laughs> this is already off to a Should we talk a, about it? Well, yesterday. you know what? Let's start then, Camille. Yeah. Let, let us uh, jerk. Let us talk about the uh, situation in the UK. And, and quite frankly, that? quite frankly, Michael, I mean, I've visited the place a few times. Yeah. I understand that they Hello. have like, some chick named the Queen. <laughs> There's a woman named Hello, Theresa Camille. May who apparently Hello, thought that she Sorry. was taking some sort of action that would strengthen her hand in Brexit negotiations. Sure. As they tried to figure out the terms, this was supposed to be an election she would win yes. easily. Yes. Her lead in the polls degraded and some weird asshat, a dude who for some reason uh-huh. thinks Hugo Chavez is oh, like a big totally cool and awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Seems to have given her yeah. a very surprising. It is it is an unqualified defeat. It's. Well, it's a qualified defeat because well, Theresa I say May, unqualified defeat because yeah. it wasn't supposed to be this close. It was not supposed to be this close. So I tell mean, me what is going on so because that's all I know. Essentially, that's not true, this but, is yeah. there's a couple of really interesting things about this. Uh, the first is that this is another one of these things that's happened in the past couple of years. Uh-huh. Brexit, Donald Trump, Theresa May getting a little bit of a shellacking compared to uh, what we expected. Although but, it's not a populist, nationalist, rightist. No, it's a populist, nationalist, leftist. That's yeah. the thing. This That's is the, the thing. boomerang. That it's we're... the boomerang that we're seeing. And there's a lot of people that are out there that are trying to say, well, you know, this is a reaction to um, Brexit. It is not. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn was somebody who is weirdly silent about I mean, the far left likes Brexit as much as the, as much as the right does or the UKIP right. But it's amazing to come in so confident. And what it, what I wish somebody would point out are the echoes that I see with Theresa May and Hillary Clinton. Everyone's talking after the election. No one really wanted to talk too much about the fact that Hillary Clinton um, ran a complete garbage campaign. I mean, we had Tim Snyder on yesterday and Tim Snyder was talking about, you know, fake news and all this stuff, which which I have said on this show in the past is was for a moment the Democrats uh, using the Marxist concept of false consciousness. Had you only gotten the real news, you would right. have voted for our person. And then yeah. it, it kind of excuses their bad campaign that, you know, she can't find Wisconsin on a map among, you know, other things, Michigan, et cetera. It's the kind of a similar thing here that we're, what we're seeing is that Theresa May is, you know, before we get ahead of ourselves and say, uh, Jeremy Corbyn, right, fucking lovely, like lefty, commie, wooly, bearded kind of guy that one was like, it's back, it's a resurgence. Theresa May ran possibly one of the worst campaigns in electoral history. I mean, it's, I think the second hung parliament in the past hundred years, second, maybe third. Um, but she's, I mean, she's also on, I, I was hoping and I think many, many conservatives, including, uh, including Boris Johnson, are hoping that she might be one of the shortest, have one of the shortest tenures as prime minister since the 1920s. Um, she failed to show up for debates. I mean, this was the, the party manifesto was a complete disaster. And, you know, Jeremy Corbyn did the Trump thing. He would never acknowledge this. He did the work. Well, he said, you know, let's he did a Sanders thing more than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, no fees for universities when these fees have been going up and up because there's budget deficits and you have to pay for this stuff. You know, um, tax, tax and soak the rich, et cetera. I mean, this is a guy who's called Hamas and Hezbollah, my friends. <laughs> this is not a mainstream guy. This is a very, very similar thing, but we don't really know about it. So when when Donald Trump won, all of my British friends who know nothing about politics are bombarding you on Facebook about how could you be so knuckle-dragging to... Alexa, you know, it wasn't me, but other people did. We don't have the same hap- thing happening with Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn, who supported the IRA, claims 
that he supported Sinn Féin, um, the political wing of the IRA, and not necessarily the IRA. But, you know, after the Brighton bombing, which targeted Margaret Thatcher, um, just look up his comments right after the Brighton bombing and the people he was uh, hanging out with. This is a guy of the extreme left. And I don't say that in a polemical way. I mm -hmm. do not say extreme left in the way that sort of Glenn Beck would say it about Barack Obama. This is a legitimately a man of the bonkers. When Hugo Chavez died, he had a fulsome tweet about Chavismo you know, helping the poor and showing us a new way. Thanks, Hugo Chavez. For yeah. Showing that the poor matter yeah. and wealth can be shared. He made yeah. massive contributions to Venezuela, <laughs> a very and a very wide world. But I will Good say, use of the British massive, 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 massive. But the, here's the thing that I'll say quickly: ten of, I mean, UKIP was basically wiped out as a party too. I mean, they achieved their goal. They were kind of a single issue party, but they they kind of disappeared. Um, but one of the interesting things. Uh, that happened here. Sinn Féin, by the way, keep in mind that in Northern Ireland, part of, of the United Kingdom, Sinn Féin refuses to take as long, I mean, widely known, refuses to take its seats in Parliament. So they got seven parliamentary seats, and there was this idea at a time when Labour got 262 seats, you know, 318, I think, for Conservatives. Yeah, 318, 42% uh, versus 40%, that you could you could take some of these parties, like the Liberal Democratic Party, uh, the Green Party, UKIP, etc., uh, not UKIP, sorry, uh, Green Party and Sinn Féin and kind of get a coalition going. Sinn Féin refuses to take their seats. Why? Because they don't, they don't believe that London is, is uh, its center of government, obviously. So the big story here is the Democratic Unionist Party, which is a very conservative party, a very Protestant uh, Unionist Party from Northern Ireland, which won 10 seats. Um, don't like gay marriage very much. They're very Ian Paisley fucking mate. <laughs> you know, if you know Ian Paisley, he kind of talks like that. He was the insane firebrand leader of the unionists during during the so-called troubles. But so ten seats for them, and it allows the conservatives to get over that uh, hump and um, actually form a very fragile coalition government. But it means a lot, right? So basically, Theresa May, and this is the big takeaway, and then I'll shut up. That is, we're ten days away, seven days away. God knows when this airs, what it'll be from actually getting down to brass tacks and going to Brussels and negotiating Brexit. Which is beginning this process really, of negotiating. Really yeah. badly. Oh, you want to see it go worse? Come in here with a very, very weak hand, as yeah. Theresa May is doing. And all of this is going to go even worse well, for well, obvious reasons. What does what does even worse mean? Um, and and I've asked this question before. I mean, if we look at the if we look at the the sort of economic picture of yeah. the EU, the UK is a massive player yeah. in that space. Massive it's the trading. second yeah. largest sure. economy there. Sure. It is a massive component of all of the overall trade that is taking place in the region. If Theresa May comes in with a weak hand, yeah. like, I, and, and I, I, I've mentioned this before. So in short, doing a bad trade deal for the UK is a bad trade deal for the EU. They need one another. That they, is how trade works. Yeah. Well, it is mutually beneficial. The yeah. question here is, can Theresa May drive a hard bargain where no. she is able <laughs> to not essentially do various things that um, the, the EU wants her to do in terms of, you know, X, X amount of payments that need to be made, X amount of concessions that need to be made with respect to um, migrant rights or whatever other things they may want um, in order to maintain trade relationships. The worst case scenario here, just practically speaking, not not so much thinking about whether or not we're getting a huge Brexit or a small Brexit, is that there aren't a lot of concessions that 
the UK can get out of the EU. But both parties seem to have pretty substantial incentives in a practical sense, if they understand what's good for them at all, to maintain pretty good trade relations. Isn't yeah. that the case? Like, is it, I mean, I know there's uncertainty here, which makes all of this sort of just upsetting. But beyond that, a good trade deal from an economic standpoint is good for both parties. Right. But like uh, a lot of the existing relationship that the UK affirmatively voted to sever right. was about a good trade deal. Yeah. And the stuff that they campaigned about, oh, my God, the banana has to curve in this direction and isn't that terrible. OK, now you've got. 27 banana uh, agreements. Yeah. Um, and so they're going to have to redo each one of those things. And it's not going to necessarily be on the most favorable terms on any given, uh, well, any given most point. favorable terms for the UK. But, but I mean, what does that mean? Like at the end of the day, I think they probably concede and it means that there isn't nearly as much change as some of the Brexiters might have wanted. But well, it just, I, it, I'm just wondering about like yeah. the economic fallout for well, Britain. It's, there's certainly some economic, there's certainly sure. some political margin, inefficiencies they will, here. They will definitely have marginally higher tariffs with Europe. I don't see how that's not going to happen. Okay. And, uh, and it's, which to the extent that's disadvantageous for the EU, they don't necessarily recognize it in that particular way. And, and they're politically motivated to broken windows, fallacy type stuff to punish them a sure. little bit. There's been some interesting uh, or seen uh, and unseen anyways, uh, discussions uh, in, in, uh, in England. I've been following of it, it, a lot of Brexit was sold as uh, cake and eat it to Brexit. Like it's going to be on great terms. Yes. It's going to happen in nine months. They would, uh, they would repatriate all of these funds. Let's sign magically. a trade deal that can fit on an index card. Yeah. Because that's how it's going to work. And uh, and it was always um, unrealistic. And they're starting to get face to face with that. And a lot of the people who are making those arguments have kind of like dissipated into, you know, uh, they're, they're not front and center in uh in the politics of Brexit. And so now the actual Brexit that's happening, which looks like it's not going to be very favorable. It, if it happens soon, it's going to happen on bad terms for the UK. Like it, the, the status quo that they have created by doing Brexit is not anything like what they campaigned on. Right. And that's kind of a problem. And, and this, this uh, to me uh, suggests that there might be a boomerang uh, uh, effect in the, the it's the name I knew ska band boomerang Brexit I think <laughs> yeah. um, a lot of skinny ties uh, Ray Bans uh, is that so Brexit itself kind of like the election of Donald Trump and and a few other things that we have seen in the West um, they were moments when the kind of uh, id of uh, planet conservatism. Um, the kind of cultural moorings of it said, you know what? I'm tired of you telling me what I can't do. You know, who says that we have to still be in, in Europe? Who says that we still have to, you know, who says that it's a problem if you have a presidential candidate who, um, you know, wants to shut down Muslim immigration? Why don't we just do these things that all the kind of political class people say that we cannot do? And they succeed, at least in some places, they didn't succeed ultimately in France and some others. So, But they do succeed in a way that absolutely flummoxes the political class, including uh, at least, you know, two of the three people in this room, uh, mm -hmm. probably in America, the way it happened. Um, 
But what is the left going to be looking at uh, in this thing? They're going to yeah. be seeing a little bit of this, too. Jeremy Corbyn, as far as I know, was endorsed by like half a newspaper in in uh, in England. He is he's widely despised yeah. by anything like the gatekeepers of political discourse. And as Michael was alluding for, to, for good reason, there are plenty of good reasons for that. But imagine that you are a Labour Party. You don't like you see this Brexit, which you associate um, perhaps a lot with xenophobia or national populism or you know, whatever, you know, things that you don't like um, and you're young. Um, and everyone tells you you can't have Jeremy Corbyn because he's a terrible, unreconstructed lefty who loves Hugo Chavez and has terrible economic ideas. They're like, yeah, you're telling me what I can't do. And so I think we might be having this kind of pendulum thing. Here. And we the- have an age pendulum thing, too. I mean, after after Brexit, all of the you know, anybody who was commenting on this who didn't know anything about it was basically saying, Look at the demographic data. The old came out and voted for Brexit, which is, you know, true. And and for, for the most part, I mean, it's a little more complicated than that, but it's true. And this we see in this election, a lot of young people coming out to vote for labor. Yeah, um, they haven't been excited by labor since the kind of reformulation of labor in the mid 90s to new labor in which they did. They did. The, remember the cool Britannia thing and the guys from Oasis visiting number Oasis, 10. Yeah, yeah, it was basically, yeah I, no, no Gallagher going showing up at number 10 and then. And um, Tony Blair's very Clintonian, very sort of what what people would use that negative word and say neoliberal uh, kind of labor. This is labor getting back to the, you know, Michael Foote, uh, you know, 80s trade union type labor without the trade unions, without without uh, without the miners. Yeah, without the coal and without the miners. I mean, which is funny. And remember, on the left in the 1980s, the British left was fighting tooth and nail for the existence of more coal pits in England. It kind of changed in the past 20 years. But I think that the weakened hand um, with with uh, Brexit is. There's a couple of things. I mean, they wanted a negotiation. Remember, Theresa May was part of the party that did not support Brexit. And if they do support Brexit, a soft Brexit, and now she wants to hurry it up, et cetera. But the other, the 27 countries that she's dealing with want other things first. And they have said to her in no uncertain terms, before we get this divorce, let's settle the divvying up of property. Like the Brits owe a lot of money to Brussels for a lot of various reasons over the years. Sure. They have to deal with Brits in Europe, uh, uh, Europeans in Britain. They have to deal with the border between the Republic of Ireland and and Northern Ireland. There's a lot of things that these guys want to sort out first. What that does, and there was a conservative, um, I can't remember who he's talking to, maybe BBC today, who said, you know, we have an incredibly weakened hand. But basically what you do is you have someone, we don't know if this woman's going to be prime minister in six months. There'll be another election possibly in November which is incredible. This is like the 500th election yeah, they've had in a, about two it's weeks. A, you know, people complain about the two-party system. Jeez, you got to just look to Europe sometimes. I don't complain about Lord Buckethead. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is a, yeah, yeah. International hero, yeah. Lord Buckethead. There's always some guy from the, what is it, the Screaming Monster Looney Party or something behind someone who's, you know, declaring themselves a victor and some, you know, guy who looks like the bassist in Hawkwind behind them, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 19 votes for the man with the long hair and the drooling mouth. I mean, it's fantastic. Yay. But, you know, it is good. I fought in your general it, direction. It's, it's good in that sense. <laughs> Uh, that it's entertaining. But, you know, if, if you if you look at this, she has, I mean, you don't think the Europeans and Juncker and these guys are going to come to the table saying, let's play hardball with somebody who looks like you could knock her over with a feather and her political career sexist. might be just. Uh, what? How was that sexist? I'm not sure. I don't know. But you get, <laughs> probably. But, you know, this is not, I mean, the most amazing thing about this is it, it, it follows the basic 
thing that we saw um, with the media and with the sort of chattering classes about Donald Trump. Uh, Theresa May believed the same thing going into this very, very, very strong hand. will solidify our majority, then we'll strengthen our hand for Brexit negotiations. And we're attacking labor when it's historically weak because it has a bearded moron who loves Hezbollah Hamas and apparently sometimes fills in on Iranian television for George Galloway. I mean, these are people on the fringes of the fringe. Well, uh, George I- Galloway blocked me on Twitter, by the way, just so you know. Oh, good for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I've been blocked by a journalist. Like yeah. That's like a. It's not even like a humble a, brag. It's yeah. just a brag. No, that's good. I would. <laughs> I want no. I want. I, I want credit for that dunce uh, blocking me on Twitter. So before we we Let's back away from yeah. from the UK thing entirely, um, there were a sort of a sequence of terror attacks in the UK. Not sort of. There were literally a sequence of terror attacks there. Um, there was an expectation subject, yeah. that some of this might play into the election. And certainly I don't believe that the expectation would have necessarily been um, that uh, it would have helped the cause of labor. Um, no. That that being said, um, it's not clear whether or not it did. One thing that I wanted to mention, this is actually something I was talking to our uh, our producer and, and writer and, and my frequent collaborator at Freethink Media, uh, Dan Beer, about recently, so credit where it's due. Um, but Dan was talking about just sort of the security theater that happens after a lot of these events. Sure. And I remember us talking after the Ariana Grande attack. Um, not the Well, Ariana Grande didn't attack. Her concert goers were attacked afterwards. Um, but the same thing happened after the, the second um, car assault that took place. This one on, on London Bridge not too long ago. Um, but where something happens, everyone is on high alert. And suddenly there are hundreds, if not thousands, of investigators working on this one case. There are waves of arrests. There are reports that there are all of these co-conspirators who are believed to be involved. And silently, what happens in the days and weeks that follow is that those waves of arrest usually give way to waves of releases from prison. And uh, I... I think what Dan pointed out was just that, you know, the security theater that takes place in the wake of these attacks, which it's it's super it's super interesting to me that, you know, oftentimes we will talk about um, terrorism and how we have to have a practical sort of thoughtful approach to this. People do want to see a strong, serious response to terror attacks. But the fact that you've had this sequence of disconnected attacks afterwards, the fact that, you know, these investigative uh, capabilities are spun up so quickly after uh, an attack at like the the Ariana Grande attack where they thought there were various co-conspirators and that really doesn't seem to be the case. Um, of course, you have to look into this, but we don't really have a hundred. We don't, we don't necessarily know, but, yeah. but, but at this point, I suppose the narrower point that I want to make a- acknowledging that there's plenty that we still don't know is that, Taking a situation where there are sort of 20 or 30 people who might have originally worked on this and turning it into something where there are suddenly 100 people mm. or 1,000 people that are committed to this, oftentimes there are diminishing returns when you apply greater resources to one I'm particular not, problem. I'm not sure and, that we can And it's can almost certainly that. the case that there are defe- – uh, well, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that this is necessarily what happened. I'm, I'm saying that there's the possibility 
of there's always the possibility of a dramatic overreaction to something like this. Of course. And we, what we have seen is that in the United States, I mean, after 9-11, for example, I mean, we had the, the color-coded security warnings. We had mm. brand new agencies that were created. Um, it, there's something to be said, I think, for the, for the response that happens after the fact, for the skepticism that ought to be applied even in the heat of the moment when bureaucrats and government officials are sort of spinning up all of their, their various tools would, to would, try to protect us. Quick, quickly us. before I forget, and I just, you're, and I'll, and I'll be very brief on this. You have to connect those two things. You're, 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 there's two things that are lying there and you should connect them. One is that, you know, this didn't actually produce a big swing to the conservatives, mm-hmm. which is what people would have thought. Actually, the same thing happened in France. The same thing happens across Europe. Yeah. That the presumption is Spain too. Spain too. Um, well, you know, and, and the, the famous bombing in, in Madrid actually mm-hmm. sent the government packing, the Asnar government packing. Sure. But sure. what I think that the connection between these two things are is that the spun up security theater really isn't having the effect that it used to have. It's it's two things. One is the normalization of terror. Mm-hmm. And it just happens so much in Europe that people aren't, you know, screaming and going, oh, my God, it's all we're all going to die that they were after 9-11, which is understandable. I mean, sure. this is, it's, sure, sure. it's very different than it was after 9-11. But the other thing is that you can security theater to you are content, but it doesn't have that effect. The one effect that security theater does have is and does I think it doesn't have which effect? It, it doesn't have the, the political effect. It, it right, basically right. has a calming effect. Where are you going? Ma- Matt is stepping out. Matt he is stepping to, out? He's important. Oh, he has to go do a, a radio a interview while we're doing a podcast. We're, we're, we're motherfucker. We no, are we doing a radio. We got to doing a radio show. Switch to Comey he, while he's gone. Well, yeah, we should switch to Comey. Yeah, we should switch to Matt. But I, but I want you to. I interrupted you. You were saying something. No, Matt interrupted us. It's just true. Yeah, he walked out on us. No, but I I think it's interesting to 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 see how this has happened. We we presume in the past. We said this actually in 2016. Mm-hmm. Everyone said this. Oh, God, I hope it's not a terror attack before the election because Donald sure. Trump will get elected. Sure. Uh, we really have no faith in people. And I think Donald Trump suggests that we shouldn't yeah, so have don't too see, much we faith don't see, in people. We don't see as many uh, events um, yeah. and, as, as they do in Here Europe. we do in Europe. And I think there's people are inured to it in some ways, but they're, they're, but also it didn't produce a swing. Jeremy Corbyn, there was a headline um, in the, the Sun, which is like, the most absurd paper in the world. Yeah, it's so funny. They used to have the page three girl, you know, the topless girl on it. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's the yeah. most, they call them red tops in the UK. And it is a very, very tabloid tabloid. And journalism should give you variety. Yeah, I like it. I, think it's, to. It's, I get off yeah. the plane in the UK and I always buy. <laughs> you said get off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're, an, you're an infant. You are a child. But it's good. I like that. For, we, need, forever, we need variety forever, in this room, yeah. too. Yes. Yeah, and I always buy The Sun, and I buy The Guardian, and I buy The Telegraph, and everything. It's a great variety. I love British media. It's fantastic. But they had a, they had a headline not, not but a couple of weeks ago, and, um, and it was, the headline was what? Corbin Laden for Jeremy Corbyn, which is quite funny because he made this comment after Bin Laden was killed that he should have been captured and brought through some sort of political process or some sort of legal process. And instead of secretly buried at sea. Yeah. And then, yeah. and, and Corbyn Laden. And then, you know, the, a couple of days later, the terrorist friend he's at, there's a photo of him at a protest, an anti-war protest, not an anti-Iraq war, anti-Afghanistan war, like a month, two, three weeks after Bin Laden, he's standing next to a guy who's, who's holding a picture says, don't blame, like, or this is a war against Islam, and there's a picture of bin Laden on it. Yeah. And he's, like, standing a few feet from him. If that had happened in 2004, 2003, he would have gotten 1% of the vote. But people are tired of it. People just don't go for that 
so much anymore. So I think the terror attack itself didn't really have that sort of effect. The other thing which I, f- I found pretty interesting was that, you know, to your point, I mean, and, and Dan Beer, who can't, is not here to defend himself, but this point about um, rounding people up afterwards, two things have to be pointed about this. The incredible mistake that Americans make and an incredible mistake. I'm an American myself, but I saw it on Fox and Friends. And I tweeted about it and made fun of it, that somebody was suggesting internment right mm, after. Yeah. So it's really funny. The guys in Fox and Friends who have a collective IQ of, you know, a four-year-old. Be nice. Okay. Be nice. I know they're nice to you. They, not, they are nice to me. Give a shit about this. Super morons. nice to me. Yeah, Camille's not saying this. They're blithering <laughs> idiots. I mean, it is astonishing. I think they're even acting about how stupid they are. Oh, my God. But so they say something about internment. And I get this defense. They say, well, should, should we consider internment? And everyone's talking about Japanese internment, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And... I made a joke about them that they were talking about internment because the way that they were talking about it was like Japanese internment and turning Muslim people, that right. sort of thing, right. which is appalling. Right. The Brits, on the other hand, are talking about a different thing, and nobody actually pointed this out. I mean, I didn't even in my tweet because it's just, you know, what's, what's the point? But th- the United Kingdom had internment, what they called internment, uh, with the IRA during, during the, the IRA's war against the mainland in the UK. And people would be interned basically without charges for, for, for a certain amount sure. of time. And th- any suggestion that that would come back, um, you know, it's up in British media, people debate it and everything. But it's not the same thing as Japanese internment of taking people from a race, putting them in, in, in camps for three plus years, depriving them. of. It's people who are accused of things, but or they suspect of things and they put them. It's not good. It's not good at all. I think it's terrible. Sure. But that said... The good thing about it is if you look at the civil liberties issue in the United Kingdom for, you know, specifically as it related to the, the war in Northern Ireland, I won't call it the troubles, the war in Northern Ireland, civil liberties have gotten better there. Mm-hmm. I mean, those people were released. I suspect that they were bad people. I don't suspect that they had to go to prison, but they were probably within the universe of this guy and they should be talked to and they should be talked about. So I think that that's not abnormal. And, you know, the fact that they were released doesn't mean they didn't do anything. They're just keeping an eye on these people because you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, if you're the British authorities, because they've been, they said, oh, you, he was on your radar. He told the Italian authorities there was going to be a terrorist. No, this is, this is true. The guy but in I mean, London was also, in a documentary that I saw. Sure, sure. On an ISIS no, and, that, and look, and stuff like that is certainly, is certainly embarrassing. Um, but I mean, look, if, if, if your list is, includes essentially everyone yeah. Um, then the fact that he was on the radar isn't particularly damning. Well, that's true. Or interesting. Good point. And yeah, the, that's the fact that you have a list that includes everyone is often part of the problem. This is the last point I'll make on this. I didn't expect to, to sit on this for so long, but I was having an exchange with uh, someone who listens to the podcast and um, who who follows some of the stuff I do in media, apparently, which is which is kind of weird that that's a thing at all. Um, but he. Uh, he had listened to a conversation I was having with uh, Josh Zepps like some weeks back, um, and we were talking about racial profiling, uh, sure. specifically with respect to terrorism and whether or not there ought to be like racial profiling with respect to people of the Islamic faith, um, whether that's ever appropriate. Um, and I don't know. I don't remember what I said in that particular conversation. It was really good. But in, I'm sure it was bright um, and intelligent. <laughs> but but in the moment now, as I think about it, I mean, the the case he was making was essentially a counter case to the one I, I apparently made. Um, he's suggesting that, well, no, I mean, look, if these people are more likely to do it, then the police have to focus their investigative power on on this. I mean, look, the statistics bear that out. And 
and the bottom line is that drag nets, mm. drag netting is not an investigation. This looks like an investigation. This looks like police work. It looks like solving crimes. It looks like keeping people safe. It may, in fact, have the opposite effect. And it may, in fact, have the opposite effect in many ways, but there are, one of, there are two prominent ways that it might have the opposite effect. One is it squanders resources. You end up catching people in the dragnet, 70-plus percent of whom, 80-plus percent of whom are necessarily innocent based on the statistics. Um, so that's the first thing. The second, however, is you might piss people the fuck off. Yep. And to the extent that you're doing that, I'm sorry, Michael, blowback. That's a thing. Wow, you really, happen. I'm sorry, but you have an incredibly low opinion of Muslims, don't you? I, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Apparently whoa. you do. No, no, but, but no. Hold on, hold on. I'm, hear me I'm, out. All I'm saying is I'm not making a grand statement. I didn't want yeah. to open that whole thing up. I'm just saying <laughs> that drag nets are a stupid idea. That's no, the point. That's okay. the fundamental but point. But let me, let me, let me respond. Before you go, before you go, there's, there's, what? there's, what a, there's a line in between or there's a, there's a gap between actual tangible blowback and then creating an environment which is not conducive. That's all I was doing. To That's all I was saying. I wasn't. Okay. That wasn't an invitation. That, 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 I'm not picking right. a fight. Uh, let me run. Let me run full speed uh, at Into those brick at wall. those goalposts that you shifted. Yeah, for all to of get our, a little closer. I'm trying to help them out. No, I know. I know. But but when people make this argument, typically what they say, and I see this, uh, you know, there was a guy. The guy who was the guy that was on um, on uh, that show on HBO. Very good show uh, that that uh, Mike Judge does. Uh, True Detective season two. No, no, um, Silicon Valley. Like Silicon Valley. Valley. The guy in that show, um, <laughs> I think his parents. I don't. I don't want to say where his parents are. I don't remember. But he made a similar point on Twitter, and he was like, "Look, you're you know creating the next gener generation of ISIS if you get these people in the dragnet." I say to that, "Good God, do you really have that low opinion of Muslims?" Because I'm not saying you, okay, Camille. I'm just good. saying generically, we get this idea that. If you wrap people up in a dragnet, I don't think this should happen. It should not happen. I, I think it's bad policing. But when people say, and there's like people, Moaz and Beg, and these people in cage and these British British organizations, they say, well, well you know, they'll turn into, they'll, they'll join Islamic State. You'll lop people's head off because the you. police are jerks. That shows a fundamental ideological problem that I'm we have you. to address if that's actually the I'm, issue. I'm with you. I'm, I'm yeah. not suggesting. No, I know you're not suggesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm not but, suggesting that there is a, a sort of a fundamental issue. But now that we're on the damn point, the fact, the fact is that it is certainly the case that U.S. foreign policy can oh exacerbate God. underlying geopolitical prob problems that might exist. And you can, in fact, give people rationales. I, I think I'm not right. saying that. Yeah, well, I look, don't know. Look, can we measure you're gonna hear me statistically how many people are doing it, are doing it because of that? We cannot. And the Too truth many. is that we overstate it. Yeah. But stupid policy is stupid policy. And oftentimes we ought to stop there. Like I, the real question is whether or not this policy is effective. Not um, it, it's not a matter of us making an argument about something that is ephemeral, that essentially can't be quantified sure. in any sort of meaningful way. We've so had, we, yeah, you no, and I, we've had you many, and we've had many debates about this and I'll, I'll cap it off with this. Many debates on the show okay, about I'm going to let you finish. And you can, you can go into the archives, the fifth column archives and hear a lot of debates Beyonce about had the this. best album of all time. Yesterday was Kanye's birthday. Oh, uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> cause I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> but, 
<laughs> but so, um, Kane, as I call him, uh, Matt's ripping into that realm a little bit, but, but I think it's one of the things you find about Syria, the people that are the most aggrieved, you have these guys in videos with patchy beards and AK 47s that they don't know how to use. I watched them the other day. It was an American guy. And I think it was like Abu Azim al-Americani or something. And they're sitting in the, in, in these videos, beautifully shot ISIS videos. They're very good at video production. These guys. And there's always some guy like, I was like really mad at like the bombing of lots of peoples. And I came here to fucking Syria. Right. And it's like, dude, you don't even have to live through it. And you're going to join ISIS, the international contingent, sure. the Abraham Lincoln Brigade yeah, yeah. of ISIS. They don't even have to live this. My brothers and my brothers and sisters, <laughs> and our Muslim brothers. It's like, dude, you you like you live in Birmingham. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? And so Alabama, too. Yeah, really it's weird but, exactly. Not even England. <laughs> not even England. I want to point that out, Matt. <laughs> it's like, oh, fucking not Birmingham. No, not Alabama, mate. So like, that, that sort of thing. Thing is funny because it's like they're living under the bombs and they have to go and respond to this. It's like, no, you do. I agree with you. And, and, and I don't think I ever concede this point. I, I agree that this does have an effect. It has a catalytic effect on people and it can't not. Yeah. But I, it's often for ideological reasons uh, isolated as the only effect. No, no, totally. This is so this many is guys totally from Manchester, like Manchester and like, sure. you know, Aberdeen are all of a sudden showing up because they watched a video and it upset them. I watch videos that upset me every day. Most of them are, you know, sort of Kanye things yeah, yeah. and the stuff that young thug videos like oh god what do i have to do to join some sort of terror organization in canada and just mm -hmm. go over the border or something i'm not even gonna i'm not gonna take the bait i'm gonna take the bait i'm not gonna take the bait well but um, and, and i'll tell you why I some won't bait in the hook i'll tell you why i won't take the bait because oh second it's, been, the hook. it's been two days oh, gonna bait we, the hook. we went through kanye's <laughs> birthday which was also comey day birthday. and we barely talked about this comey stuff and the truth of the matter is that yeah. the comey hearing Give me the Comey. This Comey hearing is the greatest thing that has happened to cable news since that jumbo jetliner went missing. Um, I remember jumbo like, jet. They liner. were when they were trying to. <laughs> I don't know. Like, this is my that, grandmother that would damn, say. That damn plane. The, the, the plane. Jet. The plane that went missing. Which I was. So, we were still doing the Independence at the time, Matt. And I remember that <laughs> there was like this this enthusiasm to cover this story and to continue talking about it. It was the it. only time CNN it, it, broke through in the ratings it was for like so five years. incredible. There was that that great clip of like Don Lemon like talking about the, oh, uh, the black hole. Oh, that was um, my best. Hijacking or terrorism or mechanical failure or pilot error, but what if it was something fully that we don't really understand? A lot of people have been asking about that, about black holes and on and on and on and all of these conspiracy theories. Let's look at this. Uh, Noah says, what else can you think about? Black hole, Bermuda Triangle. And then Deji says, huh, just like the movie Lost. And of course, it's also, also referencing the Twilight Zone, which is a very similar plot. That's what people are saying. I know it's preposterous, but it, is it preposterous, you think, Mary? Well, it is a black hole is about, you know, a small black hole would suck in our entire universe. So we know it's not that. Bermuda Triangle is often weather. And uh, Lost is a TV show. So right. I think I always like things for which there's data, history, crunch the numbers. So for me, those aren't there. But I think it's wonderful that the whole world is trying to help with their theories. And I absolutely love the theories. You just said it was absurd. <laughs> but, yeah, that's but the Comey hearing, there has been a countdown clock on CNN, perhaps on other networks, but I saw the one on CNN yeah. for days. What did this you This was supposed to Were be the most exciting thing since, like, Frasier Ali. 
and instead, <laughs> he, fucking Mayweather like reaching back to something he had no idea. Yeah. Are no you kidding idea. me, Frazier Ali? This is you were this minus is the, seven years this old. This is the most important my, fight in history. Yeah, Are you? I met Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier so, signed a boxing glove for me. Punch in the face. It, 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 I still have that boxing glove. Does Joe Frazier, does he as long as he didn't Colin? sing the national anthem, he doesn't listen. It, well, Joe Frazier oh, passed away. I know he's. I know he's. Uh, so he can't there. listen to the. But, fifth but does uh, no. Joe Frazier Jr. listen to the fifth column? I I don't know him personally. I'm How just about all of the George Foremans? It's, it's, yeah. it's racist yeah. to presume that I know him. But at any rate, Camille, Camille, Camille. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I want to defend uh, myself here. The only reason I thought you knew him is because you're both black. That's, that's, <laughs> I just want to defend myself. Very, you know. No, you're right. That's a fair, that's yeah. an honest mistake. It's logical. No problem, my nigga. Yeah. Um, so the Comey, <laughs> <With an A. laughs> so the Comey hearing, we're not going to unpack everything that happened in the room. Um, other people have done that. It happened two days ago. Yeah. I think the most important thing in the hearing, What's you, got in the, you got in the document. What I want to get from you guys, right, is what, well, well, here's, I'll, I'll paint a little bit of the landscape. The landscape, as I see it is. I want to hear your take Comey, on it. Comey shows up. He gives, he provides this document. And for me, there's like several things that have happened. Um, we know that that weird line in Donald Trump's letter firing him. Thanks for telling me three times uh, that I'm not being investigated. Actually turns out to be true. Sort um, of. Sort of true. Sort of. There are plenty of things about which Donald Trump is probably lying, but they always seem suspect. Like, I don't know if he called me for the meeting for dinner or yeah. if I called him, but we had dinner and it was great. You're the fucking president of the United States. Yeah. No one is just putting shit on your schedule. Okay. Yeah. Um, what I take away from the Comey hearings, I'll give you my sort of worst case scenario for Comey and worst case scenario for Trump or the things that are perhaps the, the, the hardest to sort of accept about their narratives. And I have to call Comey's thing a narrative um, because, I mean, the, the memo – and the testimony several days later, it's a fucking screenplay. He got up and he walked towards the door near the grandfather, the grandfather clock. Are you clock. kidding me? Yeah. Is this house of cards? Um, at any rate, um, Joseph Comey. Uh, Joseph. I, G G Coney. Joseph Coney. Coney. Did we find him? <laughs> we found no, him. Comey, this 2017. Is the, the alcohol is starting he was to kick in, in. But I think I'm still. I think I still have. Who's a, that? Is that, what's a that good guy? That, can we get that guy the that, longer, was, that was jerking off? Yeah. Remember the guy that was uh, the, that was looking the for guy from Invisible Children? Yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 he was. Semen is not actually children. <laughs> oh my god! This is the thing that we didn't really. Know. Oh my god! Cut that out! <laughs> cut that out of this. That's gonna be cut on the series broadcast. Half baby. Wow! Cut it. Half baby. He's lost. Not half baby. You're right. It's true. It's like. Oh my god! You're like one of those guys in the NFL. Like uh, the Earth is fat. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Like, I was about to say something. What's, like, what's up, Carl Everett? Can, okay. Okay. Wait. Like, don't don't completely don't completely derail this. I want to try. Camille. I want to try to do this. I want to try to do this. I want to try to do this. Please. So one. so here's the thing, right? <laughs> Comey Comey's Comey's big claims here are that Trump coming into the room. Um, Trump was asking for meetings more frequently than Barack no. Obama. He he met Obama like twice. They like barely talked. That's appropriate because we have to keep up the appearance of this separation of sure. power. It's appropriate. Um, Donald Trump was calling all of the damn time. Donald Trump was asking him to, to be in the room. Donald Trump was ordering other people out of the room. So Comey was keeping track because he was concerned. And Comey did feel that Donald Trump was pressuring him to try to shut off the Flynn investigation, which is interesting because this has been completely mishandled, I think, in the press and confused in various ways. Um, these... This is a problem. It looks ugly, but I didn't see like anything in Comey's testimony 
that is sort of obvious detrimental crime. The, the issue I have with the testimony is twofold. Um, I don't know, and just twofold fundamentally, I don't understand why, if there was deep concern about this particular man's uh, sort of willingness to continue to, to threaten the propriety of the, the sacred uh, sensibility that American, the American people have, that there is a separation of powers and all, all is good and well in the world, um, between not separation of powers, but at any rate, just that the executive branch isn't meddling in the uh, operation of the judici- of the of the uh, the yes go on the, the, yeah, uh, the FBI <laughs> um, big one yeah but, but this time. <laughs> Elizabeth I'm coming to join you and I have bottle ripple but, and an old toothbrush but I don't understand why he would have missed so many opportunities to to actually Look, do that, something about you're this right I think you're right I think like, you're right why don't you speak up and why are you still making these phone calls when the White House suggested you don't have to do that. Are you concerned that you might get fired? Perhaps. Maybe that's what's going on here. But it seems very strange to me if your belief is that the guy is like meddling and and this is deeply problematic and you are just just really, really mm. concerned. And, and, and quickly on the other side, read Donald Trump. I think the worst case for Donald Trump here, because the Russia, the possibility that there is a deep Russia conspiracy where Donald Trump has been working with Vladimir Putin to hack into DNC emails and leak them to the press. The likelihood that Donald Trump was involved in that seems to me quite far out. Quite far out, yeah. But the possibility, I will acknowledge, that Donald Trump wants to shut down the Russia investigation, not merely because it's a distraction politically, but because maybe he has other things to hide and he thinks the longer this goes on, the more they can find. In fact, an investigation where it's pretty clear from early on that maybe nothing criminal happened there can go on forever and ever and ever and ever because you keep turning over stones to see if there's any there there, despite the fact that there might not have been anything to find about the the crime you were actually investigating. And this is important. So it is possible that Donald Trump, uh, even in a situation where he didn't do uh, any sort of colluding with the Russians, might actually end up violating the law and screwing up and trying to squash an investigation that ultimately would have probably eventually played out and found him in. So I, I and guess this is, yeah, and this, that's materially uh, significant. Yeah, I, th- I think the more likely thing here, though, last thing, the more yeah. likely thing is put the that he, in him. He <laughs> 40 <up>. milligrams of <laughs> Camille. <laughs> the slow release Camille. <laughs> slow. Ain't nothing slow about this, baby. Um, the, the, the more Last likely, time he said that, it was like the police were there 20 minutes later. The more... <laughs> also racist. The more no. likely... The more likely thing, though, is that we're dealing with we're just genesis. rank incompetence here. My suspicion is that Donald Trump... Incompetence on one side. Donald, yeah, Donald Trump doesn't... If you asked him, what are the three branches of government in an interview, he probably would not be able to answer that question. The terrific, the good, the best. Yeah, he wouldn't be able to answer that question. He would give you some sort of word salad. Um, He may say something about hoping that you can let this thing Me, the judges, and the other guys. Right. So my suspicion is (laughs) that that what I really learned from from the Comey testimony is something I already knew. Donald Trump is petty, and he is thin skinned. And the things that bother him most in the world are things that he ought to be able to get over and that 
while it is definitely the case that even if Donald Trump was playing this all in the best possible way from a political standpoint, the fact that there is scandal surrounding his administration, he has compounded things and made them infinitely worse for himself at virtually every turn. The only time he didn't take the opportunity to punch himself in the face was during Comey's testimony when he decided not That's to live tweet it. Yeah. Just let Don But yeah. every other bad yeah. decision he could possibly make, short of going out into the street and whacking off like the dude from Invisible Children, yeah. he has pretty much done That'd it. That'd be fucking awesome, Which is obscene. That'd be so good. Just, I, I, would, I would actually, he's not, he's not I'm type. a great hater of Donald Trump, as people listen to this show know. Um, if okay, he did that, that, I'd be honest. Did I'd any of Matt make anything? Yeah, it did. Stop talking now. A few, no, he was, he was on a roll. It was good. Uh, a few a few <laughs> things about that is that <laughs> it grabs the alcohol. Grabs the alcohol. You literally grab me with two hands like a poor like a poor child. Like literally in your mouth like porn. Well, he knows that the, the little shake. Uh, yeah, he's, he's got the shake. Please, sir. Yeah. Um, I have some <laughs> The only exercise I ever get is the shake. <laughs> so, a few this things. Is, this is what happens when we do shows back to back. I you know. know what? You know what? We've been called out. It's been like four shows in a row without what? without the hooch. Dude, oh this is a God. disaster. <laughs> a disaster. But it's a smart disaster, I think. I hope. Thank you to Don't, the state send, of... Send me a text. Thank if, you if to the state of Jefferson. A, co- a couple things about the, uh, the state of Jefferson. Laser printer, laser printer created label. Hoggins. A uh, few things about this. First one is it looks like this interminable investigation, but these are like the normal rate of FBI investigations. Totally. But which is leaking in this weird way. And it's like, oh, my God, never ending. And Trump thinks this is uh, something uh, especially onerous because these leaks that come out. I want to I want to concede something. I want to say that I got something wrong. And this is provided Whoa. that I uh, that I'm trusting Comey. When Thad was on this show, oh my God. I said something to the effect of that, that most of the reporting on this, I probably said all of the reporting on this so far has been vindicated. Um, and that's true. I think that's that's largely true. Most. And Comey actually has himself said, yes, that's true. But there was one story that was a pretty blockbuster story in the New York Times yes, that yeah. said, you know, that Trump administration's contact with Russia. And I, I, I tend to believe Comey. I think that he seems like a straight shooter, and I think the media desperately wants him to be, and they were kind of over, over, whoa, overstating that a little bit and saying, oh, he's so amazing and so poised and so this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that I could tell by the way he was talking, that he didn't want to be caught up in anything. He's very cognizant of the fact that he could potentially be, be called out of uh-huh. lying. And so he's very precise with his words. The one time that he abandoned that precision. Precise, precise like a screenwriter. Like a scr- yes, exactly. Like really, really precise. Don't go off script. No ad-libbing. And the one time that I saw that he really allowed himself to go the other direction was about that New York Times story. And he said, absolutely categorically false. I don't remember the language he used. But yeah. he said it, yep. nothing was about it, about it was true. Yep. And so despite the fact that I didn't talk about that, that story in particular, I probably during that conversation with Thad, I said we should trust these journalists for the most part because they've been vindicated. I still think that that's true, but it also should be pointed out that people can be spun up like tops, and that might be an example of that. There is he, there is no doubt that right now the journalistic establishment is spun the fuck up. Did the and Times address that today? I I, I, I didn't see sure. it, but I I do know that most stories have like twenty two bylines at this point. Yeah. Um. Again, to, to here, spread here we, the culpability. Here, here we are, and multiplying sources. the number of reporters working on these stories doesn't necessarily guarantee their accuracy no, or improve it's... or improve the seriousness of the reporting. But, but, the, but go uh, ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. Um, uh, he made a good point about that uh, narrow uh, point, Moynihan, which was that 
Um, and I hate to ever give anybody their jobs are hard and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the weeping and moaning about like, Oh, I wish I could have said goodbye to you, mm-hmm. FBI. You're the best people in the world. <laughs> like, it's like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going to stand up for the this. Best. <laughs> better than all the rest. Uh, <laughs> what even like, anyways. Um, so, uh, Tina, come you, on. but I know, but you're actually, I know that's right. That's right. So you like, Ike. sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, he's got a better uh, I like, right cross. Oh, It'd be great if you had a pin that said "I like Ike" and it actually was talking about Ike Turner. <laughs> <laughs> there are people who like Ike Turner. I mean, I mean, there's a sexist. <laughs> sultry, no, I mean, I mean for his for his skill, his skill. other skill. Yeah, not his, not just the. the he was very good at beating up. Point yeah. where like go the ahead, cake, go, go eat the cake, anime. So you're eat out. the cake, anime. <laughs> wow, Lawrence Fishburne. Go ahead, <laughs> go ahead, Matt. I'm Eat the cake, Annie Mae. I'm extending my I'm hand. Sorry, to you. Matt. Go ahead. It's it's no, no. Different. Seriously, no. The, the point that he made it is interesting, which is that when you see these intelligence uh, uh, community sourced stories, yeah, um, the people who are leaking them sometimes don't know as much about them as they think they do, um, and the reporters certainly don't have as much of an idea, and that the people who are in a position to refute them are they can't. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he's exaggerating that point by probably 50%, but it's an yeah. interesting thing to think about when you're reading yeah, unsourced sure. icy uh, stories here. The unsourced stories, or at least the anonymously sourced, and that's getting hard to pronounce weirdly as the night goes on, uh, sourced stories. It's uh, 558. That's <laughs> man, it's late. <laughs> as, the, as the night goes on. Continue. Uh, that uh, are different. And I, I think actually people are conflating all of these things, right? So mm-hmm. there's the intelligence sourced stories mm-hmm. a lot of asses um and they're really kind of difficult to suss out and the motivations are important and they're almost never really uh, uh foregrounded here there's also stories our uh, friend um swin over at the daily beast and lachlan uh, marquet i guess right yeah. Uh, yeah they've every single day they have hilarious anonymously sourced stories like boy you can't talk um uh in uh, the daily beast talking about um people just dishing uh, constantly about Trump, their own boss. Yeah, those are just accurate. That's what totally. People, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what people are saying, yeah. and we know the motivation. The motivation is they're in the White House and they're going, "Oh my fucking god!" It's really difficult here. So, like, it's it, it's important to kind of sort out the different categories of these things, right? Mm-hmm. That's all. Um, and Comey and Trump. My biggest um, kind of fear is that they're both right. I think they both are in some way. Right? I think they both are. Like, yeah. uh, Comey is saying that Trump is a boorish liar. There's no doubt about this. Who's no like doubt. breathing yeah. hot and heavy on people's neck. Objectively he's closing the door by the grandfather clock. Sure. It's, it, he's, yeah. he's acting badly. <laughs> he's skirting up to the line yeah. of obstruction of justice. Suggesting that journalists should get locked up, which is oddly not the principal thing that we're talking about, but whatever. And doing all that kind of stuff. And Trump is right that uh, Comey's testimony was pretty unequivocal about he didn't tell him to stop investigating yeah. his investigation. In fact, it apparently suggested exactly the opposite. That and, he wants him to find out if there are people who are involved. Right. And uh, was also pretty categorical about uh, how there isn't any evidence that anyone is aware of that the Russians were able to successfully tamper with any vote in the casting and the collection in the counting. That, I mean, um, look, that, it can't, that can't be. I did a piece on this for the HBO show about 
the how disconnected all of our voting systems are. They can't hack into them. The point of what the Russian uh, with the FSB or the GRU are trying to do is trying to instill exactly what they've instilled. Yes. Of this idea that maybe that the vote is compromised, that the headlines will be, you know, the, the tampered with election, which they, they succeeded in all of these fronts. They can do little hit operations on local voting systems. Those voting systems are not connected to the internet for a very apparent reason. They're not connected to other voting systems in other states. It's very hard to change the tallies. The only way you could do that is if you went into the voting machine itself. There are some older systems. That literally, we, we literally have voting systems that run Windows 95. This is actually true. Then Windows 95, Windows 2000, wow. Windows XP, etc. And you can, if you have some time in there and you know what you're doing, can, can you know, put a card into the machine and some of the older machines and actually tamper with it. But or nothing thumb, in any mass stick. scale. It's yeah. very, very hard to do. So they just more or less want you to think that they can do that, which they've succeeded at. Um, Comey was, 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 you know, unequivocal uh, about uh, the thing, the thing that everyone also knows if they've been paying attention is that Russians have been trying to do this. Of course they've been trying to do this. They've been trying to do this for years. They mm -hmm. like doing this. They've been mm -hmm. more successful now primarily because of the way we disseminate information. It used to be, and I've mentioned this in the show before, a guy, Vladimir Posner, who is a Brooklyn-born Soviet apologist whose parents were Russian, they were communists, he went back to the Soviet Union, spoke perfect English, and he would show up on Donahue's show, making the Soviet case. That was about as good as they could do. They had a magazine called Soviet Life, it was a glossy magazine that you could only find at the cafes of the, you know, the kind of Maoist cafe on like 23rd. And Although Broad. to interject Soviet visuals, that Twitter uh, feed, have you followed that? I uh, know. Is it good? Oh my God. Is it just like, like photos and films? It's, and it's like, uh, you know, video clips from 1971, oh, uh, like Soviet vision contests. Oh, I it's have a great, good. I have a great um, archive of Soviet and East German movies uh, from DEFA. The Snuff Eastern or... or most, oh my mostly God. stuff. Mostly. Stuff. How did you know? Dude, dude, dude. <laughs> I mean, I got you borrowed. Intuition. Oh can, I, can, I, can I ask you? No, hold on. Final thing on Comey. I, the, it was interesting to see people react, um, particularly uh, those on the right react to him acknowledging that he leaked uh, the memo himself. Yeah. Some argument about whether that's, I mean, it's actually a fair right. he, argument. He leaked it, leaked it himself in response to the president saying that he had taped their conversations. Yeah. yeah. Which is, which I don't and, and quite also, understand. And also did this uh, with the uh, uh, express intention to create a special counsel to uh -huh. investigate this stuff. He yeah. said that he said that openly. And by the way, there's to, a invest, theme to that, investigate to investigate for what purpose? Because he believes a crime was committed or because he you wants, want retribution because your yeah, boss fired you. And look, I, those th could be the same thing. I, those yeah, are sure, often it can the same be. thing. For, for me, for me, I think the the principal thing here, this is definitely not uh, a what about ism situation. No, for me, never. this is this is this is the the Camille axiom that it is probably not as bad as you suspect. Um, and the worst thing you can imagine thing is always implied. But in this particular case, it's just that on both yeah. sides. Um, Comey is not a Boy Scout who is above reproach and is unlikely to take advantage of a political opportunity to Why would he? beat the snot out of someone of who he hates and disdains and perhaps even believes is just dangerous. Look, when you fire somebody, this is a very basic thing. Yeah. When you fire somebody, you have to think of the repercussions of firing somebody. What would they do? What are they going to totally? What is that? What is that? Yeah, like, are they going to sue me or are they going to do this? Yeah. You know, and we have been talking about the show on the show for a very long time. I've been banging this drum for way too long. It's getting boring and tedious. I'm sorry. Don't tell them. But <laughs> no, they know that. But 
it makes them go back and want to listen to the really boring shit when I said it ages ago. We hope. Because then they'll be like, oh, he was right back in October. But talking about the, yeah, but, you, but today you today you said I you were wrong. And in, in post, I'm going to have someone no. put horns in. Yeah. Like when well, I think it's wrong. important to acknowledge when you're wrong. Yeah. It's but um, it'll make you do it more. Yeah, well, I got a couple things that I'm wrong about. <laughs> Not a lot. A few, like becoming a member of this triumvirate at this podcast was a huge fucking mistake. Whoa. Oh, my God. If I had my own, yeah. it'd be, I would be, I'd be the Joe Rogan of Midtown. <laughs> uh, I'd be like, I have my own fear factor. Yeah, if, you, if you Just had like your Hollywood? own, there'd be one yeah. episode of Straight that of podcast. Hollywood. Yeah. It'd be called Fuck All Y'all with Michael Moynihan. It'd be great. Um, it'd be the best. It'd actually be called Strictly for My Niggas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that'd be that? right. Yeah. I'm going to keep doing that because I'm teasing. Let's just the do Mar it. Thing okay. well, hold point, on a second. Let me finish the point so you can get to your fucking Bill Maher thing. <laughs> Why do you want to talk about this shit so bad? No, I was going to say this about... about, about <laughs> I want a YouTube of that, like, five-second attempt to talk. I can't even... I give what? up. No, go, go, go. I'm serious. Please go. It is Listeners of the Fifth Column, <laughs> tweet at me if you want to hear the <laughs> golden egg that is uh, that is hidden in this podcast, because I'm not going to say it. Oh, no. Say it. Don't I'm going to pout. Oh, my gosh. Don't pout. Actually, well, actually, you know what I'm doing? I'm right. faking pouting because I have to leave soon, so just get to the fucking bill. Okay, okay. Let's get the bill. Can I ask one more question before I get there? Sure, quick. It's quick. Um, the gang of eight, the fact that Comey had been talking to them, that Comey had apparently shared with them the fact that he had talked to Donald Trump and told him that he wasn't under investigation. Um, Adam Schiff, so is, he's involved. He <laughs> kind been, of. He's, in, he's been in those hearings. Kind of. Um, he's heard some of that stuff. Um, this is the same guy who's been talking for a while about there being like more than circumstantial evidence now. Um, we don't know that there's not, Camille. I, may, well, I don't even know what that means. L- what listen, the hell is listen, more than well, circumstantial evidence? The one evidence. thing that you said at the front is that Comey was very clear about this, and I think he was being truthful. Uh-huh. And I did, what he said was that it was it was incumbent upon us to not to tell Donald Trump and tell the public that he was there was no investigation into him. There are investigations that rope in people in his administration. Uh-huh. That is a a a different thing in uh-huh. most every way. So is there an individual investigation that's based on the Steele dossier? No. That's fine. Uh-huh. But is there an investigation that encompasses all the dirtbags that were in his campaign? Absolutely. That's true. Sure. That seems but, true. But that doesn't but seem to a, me more I Here's here's the thing. Obviously, I don't know everything that is still classified. Goes without saying. Yeah, I, we do know a yes. hell of a lot because there's been a deluge of leaks. And from the stuff that I've seen, and given the level of competence with respect to this administration and their ability to keep anything secret of great importance, yeah, even things that are I agree pretend importance. Totally. It's hard for me to believe that there is a smoking gun that they are privy to that has already been uncovered that gives us certitude um, or is something that would actually be respectfully by any thoughtful person or serious adult described as more than circumstantial um, evidence that there was collusion that took place. And um, look, again, I don't want to sit on him too hard. I'm, it's the theater of it all that I find slightly offensive and only However, slightly because I want them to do this. Don't the theater want fun. them to continue. Don't, I just don't want to lie to you. There's guys. always going to be don't, theatric. That's it's always going to be there. I mean, I'm with you. This is, this, this is, is a, politics. This is a hole in your theory, uh, your pre-election theory about what's the Donald hole? Trump. What's the hole? Don't you, don't <laughs> you, you just fucking, your eyes just went up. Like, hmm? Yeah. What's the hole in woke my up theory? Here. Your whole, the hole in your theory is that you were like, Hey, the, 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 
the sunny side up of Trump getting elected is that suddenly a lot of people are going to be really interested in executive power, in criticizing the president, and uh-huh. doing these investigations. I well, said possible silver lining. Whatever. But go ahead. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and you're so saying, you're saying my theory is like I'm Darwin or something. It's when not, someone's going to go back to the tape. <laughs> when it happens, you uh, issue fouls. You throw red flags uh-huh. uh, on the excesses of people in the process. And here's the thing. There's always excesses in the process. Mm -hmm. You can go back to Watergate. In fact, a lot of people, Jesse Walker had a great post on this. A lot of people who never liked Nixon decided they only to like Nixon after he'd been such a a target of venom from the fourth estate and, 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 and other people, because you see then democratic senators getting way in front of their own skis and all that kind of shit. And yeah, click off the bingo thing there. Um, skis. Um, but like, no, everyone, that's the nature of uh, Senate hearings, Capitol Hill crap, uh, media scrums. Agreed, agreed. You're always going to have the spittle. It's always going to be there. Totally. It's always going to irritate you, but it's all also, you're not going to get the kind of scrutiny that you said that you wanted without it. Well, mm. well, no, no. I'm. Uh, well, this is the thing. I think the scrutiny, the scrutiny is happening. There's no doubt about it. There is a mass pa- massive panic that is taking place. I believe there's also a massive delusion. Um, and unfortunately, the issue for me is that there are materially significant things that people could get excited about. We're not talking about uh, – we haven't talked about Qatar. We're not going to talk about it because we're going to cut this short and we're going to get to the other thing. We'll come back to that I like later. that you didn't say Qutter, which is like the new trendy movie. I'm, I'm sorry. Cutter. I'm, I'm, yeah. No, I know. I'm, I'm, I say Qatar. I've, I've been looking for a new Qatar for a while. But, yeah. <laughs> but we're not, we haven't talked about that. But look, I think that there are things <laughs> oh, from a foreign policy standpoint, um, from a domestic <laughs> policy standpoint, true. that the Trump administration is engaged in that are certainly problematic and dangerous. And you know what? For members of the press corps, who are writing serious, thoughtful things like you could be writing about that. Instead, there are 52 bylines on the third story, the fifth time that we're breaking the news that, oh, my God, Jared Kushner, Kushner, he had meetings at Trump (laughs) Tower. Holy crap. Who's Jaron Kushner? Exactly. I don't even know the guy. To hell with it. Jaron? It, it's fine. It's fine. Me, um, it's true about the media. Done the, thing. It's, the thing is, and I'll close on this, is that is that you're right when you say this about- You can't about, let me just close anything. Can you what? let me have something? I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was, wow. I was playing with you. White privilege. <laughs> I, was trying to ex- I was trying to exercise it there. Black privilege? No, white privilege. Oh, my. I was exercising I was exercising which, mine. I have Charlemagne the God- has a book called Black Privilege. I'm going to talk to Charlemagne about right. that book. I'm, yeah, we should I get just, Charlemagne on. the book and I'm going to read it. No, but it, like, I wanna, my goal is to get Larry Wilmore and Charlemagne into the same oh, room. for fuck's sake. Because Larry Wilmore, has, Moynihan and I go Larry Wilmore yeah. wants to have, he feels like he should have a show. So there's black entitlement. And oh, Charlemagne, oh, on the oh, other hand, oh, is, high concept. Wow. I mean, come on, Charlemagne, Black Privilege. Like, come on, you, you go out and get it. And I, I want Charlemagne came get from some, uh, some that pretty hard scrabble that that's ba- background, right? He was a drug dealer. Yeah. yeah, he was from like South Carolina or something. Well, I yeah. mean, it, when I met him, when I you first introduced me, I think he was telling me he was like, and he said the funniest thing, and and I this is I think I don't you know sharing anything that was kind of off the record. Well, but he was talking. He it's was hard. Talking, to, it's hard to imagine you know something that is uh, yeah that more is not crazy than he, things he said. Yeah, well, he said something about uh, going back to. 
South Carolina as uh-huh. Charlemagne and like just the people that just show up wanting shit. Yeah. And it reminded me like every time like somebody there's like books and novels and movies, but it's like the guy who wins the lottery. Yeah. And then everyone's like all of a sudden your best friend like, oh, my dog needs an operation. And he said that that would, was kind of what it was like being Charlemagne going back to his hometown. I think in Southern, was it North Carolina or South Carolina? It's one of them. Uh, but either way, either way, pick, yeah. t- take it off the bingo, bingo, great guy. <laughs> great guy. But he's gen- genuinely, genuinely good guy, even, yeah. even when we disagree about things. Um, are we finished with that? Did we? I mean, we I think we should be finished soon because I got to get on. We all got to finish that. Okay. So uh, Bill Maher told a joke, told a joke to some guy named Ben Sassy. I know it's Ben <laughs> Sass, but his name is spelled Sassy. Sassy Ben Sassy. Um, and, and what's funny is I didn't see it happen live. Um, I, I don't always watch that show. In fact, I almost never watch that show. I never really watch like cable news and such. Um, but I saw the next day, I saw the day after, the morning after Ben Sass responding to this and essentially just explaining how in the moment he didn't do enough to push back against Bill Maher when he used the phrase house nigga. Um, and the question, there were one, I mean, there was just an outrage because Bill Maher used the word um, nigga. <laughs> yeah. Um, and <clears throat> part of the outrage that was raised afterwards was, um, the, the, the business that we saw from folks like the root who wrote serious articles. Uh, and I use the word serious in a very qualified, heavily qualified way. They um, wrote articles. serious in the sense that they meant it. Um, trying to, <laughs> trying to determine whether or not he used the word nigga with an A or nigger with an ER at the end. Um, it doesn't matter. Ooh. It's completely inconsequential. Really? There is no such thing. This is fake. It's imaginary. The it doesn't. With yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter. And the reason it doesn't matter is because the only thing that matters here is that we have, uh, for whatever reason, accepted and become perhaps prisoner to uh, a, uh, uh, a totalitarian system in which there are there's a particular class of people who believe that they have the authority to police language and to beat the hell out of people who decide that they ought to be able to say words and use them in context. There's no one who believes that Bill Maher is an actual malevolent racist. The only question here is whether or not Bill Maher is the sort of person who knows that he has to stay in the lines and say the right things at the right time and that there are prescribed ways of behaving that if one does not behave you are potentially going to be uh taken down by the horde uh for not conforming to the standards that we've set out um this is this is rather straightforward um the thing that has always bothered me about this and we talked about this on the independence i mean this was one of our really really early shows but i remember um sort of go find it in youtube yeah uh, we all just drop an end bombs like we're crazy. talking end bombs. This where we're talking about the word nigger, and I'm I am saying that I think it is silly that we have a double standard in this country where it's appropriate and fine for me to use the word in a colloquial context and and to talk about my friends and to say hey my nigger, or even to describe things like the film, the black exploitation film, Boss Nigger which actually has a really amazing score. If you've never heard it, you should listen. I'll, I'll drop the audio in right here. Okay. Um, I think it's problematic that we can't use this word, not because it's imperative that Moynihan and Welch are allowed to use the word 
the same way that I do. God because knows one hand the double do. standard is indicative <laughs> of like the broader cultural dysfunction that exists right now. The bizarre and poisonous way that we talk about race in this country where we've empowered a class of people and we allow them to make often, I would say, and I don't even, I, I won't say often, let me take, pull that back. I won't go too far, but potentially phony claims uh, about what it's like to exist in their black body. Um, Camille, can I, I, can I interrupt you and ask you a question? Because, I, we I had a, because we had a conversation about this and, uh -huh. and it's something that I will talk about in the show probably next week or the week after, depending on when we record next week of something. That yeah, I've I wasn't been, sure if you were going to be. Yeah, able to something I've been shooting. But but we were talking about it and you said to me mm -hmm. in an earlier incarnation of Camille's life, mm -hmm. I lied about that word. Absolutely. Tell me to explain, explain that. Explain no, no, that. it's, well, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the claim that, look, you don't know what it's like to be black. I live with this every day. Every day I perceive racism in the world and I have to deal with people's prejudice. He's black I feel it he really all is. the time. Well, well, this is a claim that you hear made routinely. It's absurd. It's just not true to the, to the extent it is true, Right. This is a subjective assessment of the world around you. But if your it's, determination, it's a lot of subjective assessment. Listen, right? and, and this is what I'm saying. But this is what I'm saying. Your subjective assessment of the world around you is yours, and it doesn't entitle you to make grand claims in matters of language, or in matters of policy, or in matter of other people's in matters of other people's taste, whether or not one of the the Kardashians like wants to put on a camouflage bikini is totally her business. And if she happens to look great in it, that might be she, something of interest pretty, pretty to good. someone yeah, like me. Nice. It might and, be. I'm not and, saying it is of interest to me. And if you don't know what Camille's talking about, look up not... camouflaged bikini cardigans. <laughs> Kardashians. Kardashians, whatever the fuck. The although, although she's a, yeah. she's a, she's a Jen. What's the other one? The, the Kardashian Jenner. She's a Jenner. She's Jenner. Um, yeah. Very, Come very fit. Um, but, but this is, I mean, the claim is that, you know, it's cultural appropriation when she puts on a camouflage bikini. Because this TLC is, did it before. This me. is obscene. It's obscene. And, and, and the fact of the matter is, again, Bill Maher is no racist. Bill Maher, was, there was no malevolent intent in what was happening there. And quite frankly, like Bill Maher actually got this right back in the day on his old show when he used to talk about politics on television before that one got canceled and politically incorrect turned into real time. And when he defended himself and said that, look, people use this word in a different way today. And it's absurd that we are pretending that we shouldn't be able to use it, that we all shouldn't be able to use it. I advocate for, yeah, a universal standard. Um, that being said, I'm advocating for it, I think, from a sort of positive as opposed to normative in a normative sense, that people should be able to do this thing. I acknowledge, however, that it is dangerous. And in this very room, knowing that Matt Welch and Michael Moynihan are not racist, were they to say the word nigger or even try to say the word nigger, it could be potentially devastating for them. And that yeah. is indicative of the damn problem but, that we face. It's absurd and it's obscene and any right thinking person should acknowledge that straight away. This has nothing to do with the civil rights movement or slavery or the reality of slavery or not taking slavery seriously. It's the absurdity of a world in which that is a fact that someone who is good and just and virtuous and most 
every other way except not conforming strictly to some idiotic grammatical standard that is set out for them by people who perhaps perceive discrimination everywhere they look. It doesn't matter what the outcome is. I suspect that if that loan doesn't get approved, it's not because I didn't pay my bill on time. It's because I'm black. That is your problem. It's not anybody else's. I don't Unless you have the ability to make it to that. This, this, I, yeah. this long, uh, uh, sustained uh, eloquence. And, is that uh, eloquence? It is. Okay, good. Uh, it's uh, legit. That doesn't, doesn't mean I'm right. He's not necessarily agreeing to me. But there's a, there's a weird line in there in that you say um, sort of you know that Bill Maher isn't racist and so therefore you can sort of divine intent. But like you don't know that with Moynihan, first of all. Oh, fuck <laughs> you. No, but actually. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the Bayard Rustin of uh, my generation. <laughs> God, I don't know what that means. I'm but, a gay civil rights activist. His favorite but, porn is ebony. But yeah. <laughs> Blacks on blondes. Yeah. Um, what? Did I say that? Edit that up. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, amplify that. <laughs> but doesn't that suggest a double standard in all of this that's worth like thinking about, mm-hmm. which is that uh, Bill Maher will survive this. Of course he will. Maybe. Well, you Maybe. never know these days. I, I, I think wasn't that, sure about I it. think that less so these days because the, the point that you're making, and I think it's the point one, the, that one should underline, is that we have gotten away from the I, the ever looking at intent. So a famous uh, version is Jeremy Lin when he was playing for the Knicks. Mm-hmm. There was this poor kid who everyone by every, um, you know, person who knew him or worked with him said he was like the nicest guy in the world. And he wrote a headline once once they lost a game. It was a, they, they hadn't lost it in a while. And it said a chink in the armor. And he knew that as an expression. And then it was adorned with a picture of Jeremy Lin. And he was fired. And he said, look, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's not... And no one is going to say at that point, because it's a sacrifice. You have to sacrifice people. You don't have to. It's not about what their lives are. We see this in a lot of cases uh, recently that I'll probably talk about in a couple of weeks or the next episode, is that it's not about what, them, their intent, their heart, their brain, what they believe ideologically. It's a sacrifice for the cause in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I, there are people who say these words. And they mean them and they should be. And I like the fact that people are very reticent about saying words like this. I think it's a good thing. I, I, I don't. I think I know you don't. the motivation, Let the finish, general sensibility it. is a good one that we hate racism. Mm. But overhating is a thing. Look, I think that, that uh, let me tell <laughs> you, that, let me tell you how overhating it's become. Yeah. Uh, we've gone. I, my argument used to be flattening everybody to the same standard. If you're Bull Connor or if you're somebody who's like mistakenly trying to quote a you know a hip hop lyric, or if you're Bill Maher <laughs> saying something that you know comes out in a weird way, but everyone sort of knows your intention. And I don't think people, you know, you know Michael Eric Dyson. I don't think is somebody who wrote it. Uh, I, I know you don't like him, and it but puts, he, it, he wrote. It pains he wrote me a, to be in agreement with him. Yeah, he wrote a letter in defense of Bill Maher, yeah. basically making this argument Kinda. is that we have to you know understand intention in Bill Maher's case and in a lot of people's case. I mean, but it's gone a step further. And I don't think people are really recognizing this now, but if you get into the madness that's happening in a lot of parts of the world, a lot of campuses, et cetera, the intent argument is no longer sufficient at all. It was not sufficient, you know, two years ago, three years ago. Now we're at a place in which one is imbued with a sense of white supremacy just because not, not, you know, white privilege. That's actually been expanded now to white supremacy because you live in a system that benefits you, et cetera. It doesn't matter if you're poor and this person next to you who is 
uh, Black went to Harvard or Yale and does quite well. You still have added advantages, advantages that nobody else has. And at that level now is that it doesn't even make... I talked to somebody, I'll say a small thing. I talked to somebody who told me that not only are you racist by virtue of your birth and by the race of your birth, is that if you object to it, if you object to the idea that you are racist, it only confirms to me, don't ask me why, because that's too complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's too stupidly complicated. It just, just doesn't make sense to me. If you, you know, it's like saying if you deny that you're an alcoholic, it, it's the same thing, that it reinforces the idea that you're an alcoholic, right? I'm not an alcoholic, so I mean, I, I, why was you I am ripped right now, but that's just me. <laughs> but it, it, so we're at a point now where you are born with a white supremacy, a white privilege, et cetera. These are points that can be debated, but they can't really debate, be debated now because it's part of your DNA. I mm-hmm. mean, you've seen people say that this is actually a racist concept or a racialist concept uh-huh. and being hammered for even saying that. But at the point we're at now, which is you can't even defend yourself against the charge because it is a charge that is not worth defending yourself against if you are yourself a white person. Mm-hmm. They've flattened all this stuff into a, and I say they of people on the real extremes, but I've seen this stuff that I called real extremes 10 years ago becoming mainstream, really drifting towards the mainstream. So this worries me in a way that what the toxi- the toxicity of the charge hasn't gone away. If anything, it's gotten stronger. Yeah. And I've said this in the show that the only line that I ever wrote in years and years of writing was one thing that struck me as true is that, you know, the most toxic charge in public life carries the lowest evidentiary standard. Yep. That's the problem of it. It's not yeah. the problem of people, you know, we should be able to call people out on, on these things. We should, because those people exist and they exist, you know, in, in, in more than I think that we want to recognize in some senses in other senses, not so much because at this point, you know, the boy who cried wolf parable is, is, is probably very relevant, but with, we should get some parity here between toxicity of the charge and the standard which we use to judge that charge. Because I've talked to someone last week who is the victim of, of I think a victim of, of a great injustice in a way of being called this and having no way of defending himself, none. And it's just, you can't. And the more you object to it and say, here is all of the evidence that not only suggests that I am not this, but that I am the opposite of this, literally the opposite of this. I am a, a, a sort of warrior for justice. And the more you say that these days, because younger people have taken this, it used to be what we, we said in the past was that some of my friends are black. Some of my best friends are black. This is what this is now. If you say I'm, I have actually fought, you know, hard and foursquare against this kind of discrimination. It has now become the my best friends are black thing. And I'll say one final thing. When I interviewed Milo Yiannopoulos, <laughs> good God, one of the th- he made one point that I thought was quite funny and interesting. He said to me when I, I said, come on, you're cloaking yourself in your in your black boyfriend, soon to be husband, because you're both gay and you have, you know, a black boyfriend. So therefore you can say whatever you want. I don't buy it because I think it gives you a bit too much armor. And um, he said to me something that I thought was actually interesting. And he made me think on one point, because when the guy isn't being a showman, when the guy's not being a rodeo clown and a carnival barker, 
he is actually a thoughtful, smart guy. He just yeah. doesn't ever show that publicly because that's not his brand. But a, 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 a conversation, he said to me, you know, people make fun of this. I have black friends is not only not a ridiculous concept, it's yeah. actually a very, very obvious thing that races do not have black friends. And if you can actually prove that that is in fact true, it's actually a fair defense. Yep. And I thought about that and I was like, you know what, that's actually right. Because, you know, I, if I were somebody who thought that, that um, people were, you know, white supremacists, this thing that is thrown around with such reckless abandon these days, that I believed in the supremacy of the white race. I like to be around smart people who make me think and are funny and interesting. And um, if I excluded people, and I probably would if I was a white supremacist, I wouldn't think they were clever. I would be, you know, a eugenicist or something like that. <laughs> That's an extreme end of it. But also, I do think that, yeah, there are some people that probably have black friends and have, have um, you know, biases against certain people, etc., but I thought that was not necessarily true, but I thought it was interesting and sort of thought provoking. And I said, well, well yeah, here's the that's problem. Kind of interesting. I, I'd say when, it's necessarily true. When they Please, call uh, Moynihan and me on being racist, it'll be Moynihan. He's from Boston. I'll, I'll be um, the first one defending you. You know that. But the, here's the problem. Yeah, I'm but a I communist in South Boston. Black. You're not black. Yeah. Our, <laughs> our black friend yeah. isn't black. Well, you know, I, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely black in most other people's minds. Even when I say that I don't self-identify that way, the number one way to disagree with me in public when I say various things uh, that people don't like is to say, that nigga Camille and Uncle Tom. And you know what? It's a devastating, thoughtful, well-researched argument. And it's obvious that you've thought about this a great deal. And I'm the one who is mistaken to have taken a look at the data and to taken a look at the statistics and decide whether or not the claim that you're making actually stands up to some sort of thoughtful examination. Um, I, uh, I appreciate you guys. I like you. Um, this isn't a postscript. This is my very last point, and I'll keep it succinct, but you should definitely go look at it. The, there is a guy, Jimmy the Greek, who oh was fired. I remember very well. CBS sports commentator for making an observation. The observation he made is something that a lot of people, perhaps he's some not of you listeners, Jimmy's a Greek, is he actually, not? He's going to. He no, really is. is he no, really? I'm actually, I'm actually not. It's um, gonna stick to landing. It's, it's something. It's <laughs> something Al that had had a point. <laughs> I want to finish quickly, so Mac, uh, so you guys can get out of here, or you can just. You, if, We're back. I, up. I can I'm say literally backing up. But but he makes this point um, that the, probably a lot of listeners actually believe that. Part of the reason for the black man's dominance in sports is because of the selective breeding that took place on plantations during the time of slavery. It has turned the blacks into superior athletes. Jimmy the Greek didn't say it in that way, but that is effectively the argument he made. Um, he was fired from his job for making this what observation. It's and, important to point look, out what year, too. This is this is back in the like 1980s. the 1980s. 80s. Yeah, yeah, it was. St I mean, it's not. So, I mean, it's, it was forbidden. The 1980s. Yeah. So, yeah. racist America, always forever racist, fires this guy for saying something that. Look, here's the thing. It's demonstrably false. It's just not true. Sure, that is not a thing. Assholes. If you are listening and you believe that, I just called you an asshole, but I still love you and I want you to keep listening. And, and the fact that you've listened this far is important to me. Um, but anyway, he was fired from his job. Chris Rock has a routine that he does. He does this routine still today. It's on YouTube. It's been watched hundreds of thousands of times. Chris Rock is super successful. Sometimes he's even funny. Oh, he's really funny. I don't really like Chris Rock. I don't like yelling. 
Yeah. Y'all ain't funny to me. Oh my god! Um, wow, that was good. Didn't know he had that. But shit. Chris Rock Didn't does a whole it. routine about selective breeding that was taking place and black athletes who are super strong and tough. And it's one of those things that's supposed to be smart, thoughtful comedy where you're delivering bold insights and you're using humor as a weapon and you're helping people to understand the various ways in which you know our society and the racist schism, whatever, whatever. The bottom line here is that Chris Rock gets to make that joke. The joke not based, in fact, in absurdity, in fact, for anyone who knows any damn thing. Um, and he becomes a millionaire. And a white guy makes the same joke, and he... I mean, he wasn't a joke, but... First right? of all, is, yeah, yeah. Is, is, since when we call people white? It, it wasn't yeah. a joke. It wasn't yeah. a joke. <laughs> it wasn't a joke. But, but he, he says this thing. This thing that a lot of people believe, plenty of people believe the thing Chris Rock said. Chris Rock believes it. I, I think he thinks a lot about race too, because his name is Jimmy the Greek. Jimmy the Greek. <laughs> yeah. But in either case, he's fired. And and it's just, I don't know. The 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 schism, the 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 dichotomy, the 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 bifurcation, it ought to bother you. And if it doesn't, you're a bad person. Whoa. I'm done. Um, guys, is there anything else before we leave, or are we just gonna run out of Gotta here? Gotta roll. Let's go. Let's go. We're Let's finished. Go. You got two podcasts in one day. Two in a week. week. Love you all. Love you all. All righty. Bye. Black man in a white man town. He's got trouble. Get in his way. He's going to cut you down. Take it over. He can ride. He can shoot. Don't take nothing from nobody. Oh, he's black. Bad. Scared of nothing. Fifth column, 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 column.